This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. At this time of the year, I always like to give a report about uh, the generosity of the church and some of the things that you have accomplished this year as a church. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody who gives here on a weekly basis. Um, You know, we have a a group of people that set aside 10% of their income plus every week uh, to enable us financially to have a church. And like I always say, this is an open club. Anyone could join any week of the year. You can just start uh, getting involved with generosity. So I just wanted to thank everybody uh, for giving on a weekly basis here at the church. I'm just going to let you know some of the things that went on with your generosity in 2016. Um, you know, our mission statement here at the church is to lead people into an authentic and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So when you give here on a Sunday, you're giving to enable uh, ministry to kids and students and adults and for us to be able to preach the gospel to the city, uh, to do good things in the city. So I just want to thank you, all of you uh, who give here at the church. Thank you for giving in 2016. Great job. You know, this year we celebrated 16 baptisms uh, at the end of October, and that's one of the things that we definitely work towards every year. We want to celebrate faith, people uh, putting their faith in Jesus. And then I just wanted to celebrate actually our volunteers. We did a little calculation of all of the people that volunteer in all the various departments here at the church, from kids uh, to students to adults. We got ushers, we got production, we got people in the parking lot, we got people that work during the week in maintenance. And we calculated that our volunteers served over 5,000 hours this year. Amazing. Great job, everybody who serves. And before we continue with this list, I also wanted to thank you for your, all of your generosity uh, to me um, and my family this Christmas season, all those gifts of love that you gave to us. And at my birthday, thank you so much for all of that. Much appreciated. Um, a couple other things that we do a lot of times that you might not know about. Uh, from time to time, we have people in our church family who are struggling maybe to purchase some groceries. So us as a church family, we give uh, grocery gift cards to people. It's not something necessarily we advertise um, but we don't because we don't want to embarrass anybody. Uh, but part of what you do when you give is that you are enabling some of your brothers and sisters here at the church to eat. Uh, now something else along this line that we do, uh, you all know that we partner, uh, partner with Eden Food for Change, which is the local food bank here in our region. And uh, we give to them every month, and also we, you guys bring in groceries and non-perishables um, all of the time, and we take those to the food bank. And this year, you guys gave over 6,000 pounds of food. Amazing. Great job. You literally gave tons of food this year, so that's amazing. And then even this week, some of our staff team, we went um, to Eden Food for Change. I'm going to throw up that picture. That is us, and we went, they actually have a kitchen there at Eden Food for Change, and we were able to prepare um, some turkey meals, and also we cooked some chicken, and then they had us separate bags of green beans, and they told us when we were, we were there for about three hours, and during that time, we prepared about 400 meals uh, to be able to feed people in Mississauga, so that's great for us uh, to be able to do as a church all of the time. 
and a couple other ministries that we partner with every month. We partner with Samaritan's Purse financially. They are a disaster relief organization. So anytime there is a earthquake or a tsunami or other difficult situation, we know there's things going on in Iraq right now. Samaritan's Purse is on the ground in Iraq uh, bringing humanitarian aid. So we partner with them every month. Um, so you might not be able to go to all of these places uh, that are struggling with different issues and, and natural disasters, but with your giving, we are there as the city church on the ground uh, bringing relief to all of these people in the name of Jesus. Uh, one of the other uh, ministries that we support on a monthly basis is uh, CAP, C-A-P, which is Christians Against Poverty. We know there's a lot of people now that are struggling with debt issues, struggling with budgeting. Um, CAP goes a long way to teaching people about budgeting, how to get out of debt. Uh, they also help people find jobs, and so we, uh, we give to them every month. Also, Good News Ministries. We all know Pastor Morrow, who comes here at least once a year to preach to us. Uh, he is our missionary there in Italy. He does you know, local church ministry. He teaches in a Bible school. He does uh, book translation. So we support them every month. And then also one of the other uh, ministries in the area or organizations in the area that we support is uh, Regeneration Outreach, which is formerly called Brampton Soup Kitchen. And that next picture is, this is one of our city groups. This is actually our food and lifestyle group. Now what our food and lifestyle group does is they go out and they try to eat crazy meals in different and interesting places. So if that uh, describes your personality, you can join this uh, city group. Uh, but one of the things they also did is they went and served at uh, Regeneration Outreach, serving meals to people. So that was one of the activities that our city teams did. Um, also, Scott Mission downtown Toronto, one of our city groups went down there and served meals to homeless people. Also, we like to be a blessing to other churches. Um, here at the City Church, we have the opportunity uh, to give to them and to help them in different ways. Uh, True North Church in Milton that we planted about eight years ago, we uh, continue to give them um, support and to help them. And then also there is a brand new church plant uh, coming in January called Serve City uh, Church. And they, we had an opportunity to invest them to help them launch strong in January. Also, uh, back in November, we hosted something called a Leadership Roundtable which was uh, just a day of investment into pastors and local church leaders. We had about 50 uh, pastors and local church employees come here to the city church and just have a, a day of teaching and encouragement, and we were able to bless them with a meal that day. Um, one other of our city groups, we have our knit and crochet group. Now, I know that wasn't all of the ladies in our knit and crochet group. You know, some of them missed picture day. Um, but this was this group, and they always knit a bunch of things. Uh, they knit over, knit, knitted, knit, one of the two, uh, over a hundred items, and they gave all of those items to Halton's uh, Women's Place, which is a shelter for women in Milton, and they produced 100 baby items, um, included hats, scarves, sweaters, blankets, and bibs, and then the next picture, I think, is David and Ami delivering those. Earlier this year, you can tell that wasn't this week uh, by how they're dressed, but they were delivering all of those items to Halton's Women's Place. Almost done, but you guys are so generous, it's fantastic. A Wood Green Community Service, which helps the homeless people downtown Toronto. Uh, at our youth conference that you brought in all of those items, food items and uh, hygiene items that we created packages uh, to send down to Wood Green, uh, we did that also. And then we also have... 50 different children, uh, World Vision children, supported on a monthly basis. Um, 
in the region of Al Bay, Philippines. And so that is over $30,000 uh, in a year's time that people from this church have invested into the region of Al Bay. And recently we got um, an update um, from them about uh, the activities based on what's happening uh, for those of us that have sponsored children in that region. Now this is at the World Vision table in the lobby. You can check that out and read it for yourself, the full update. But I just wanted to mention a few things. Uh, we, we sponsor over 50 kids, but so far... Over 5,000 children and community members have learned the importance of proper sanitation and hygiene, which obviously helps them um, from preventable diseases. 108 farmers have learned techniques to improve crops and livestock production. 195 adults and children are involved in saving groups where they set aside funds and access small loans for their needs. 92 healthcare workers and volunteers have been trained to provide uh, healthcare services, especially for women and children. And 17 adults and youth were trained in job skills, business management to help them earn a better income. But you can go check out the World Vision table. And if you haven't sponsored a child, join us in sponsoring children there in the region of Al Bay, Philippines. But amazing year, City Church. Thank you for all of your generosity and all that you accomplished. Great job. So if you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Luke chapter 2. We are going to continue um, to talk about the Christmas story. And that's what Christmas stands for. Christ Mass means Christ celebration. So every year at Christmas time, we as a church um, and as Christians, we re-look at some of the stories that are very familiar to us. We go back to the scripture and we find out what is the big deal about Jesus. Why is all of history separated from when Jesus came? So if you are a Christ follower here today, uh, we're going to look at the stories that we already know. Be excited about those stories. If you don't, if you don't follow Jesus, uh, we're going to try to help you today to understand what is the big deal about Jesus? Why do we celebrate Jesus? Why is there such a big deal about Jesus coming to the earth? So far in this series two weeks ago, we talked about salvation, what it means to have a savior. Do we need a savior? And then last week we talked about grace. We emphasized how Jesus brought grace to the earth, grace upon grace, that we are only saved through God's grace. So if you missed either of those messages, you can go back, listen on our church website or on our podcast, and also through our church app to catch up with us. So we're going to be talking about the subject of hope today. And really, as we talk about the subject of hope, it, it deals a lot about how we uh, function through the passage of time. Now, we are one week away from Christmas, and we, you know, we have, we've got our junior high students in here with us today. And as we think about one week from Christmas, you know, when you're younger, uh, one week from Christmas seems like an eternity. You feel like Christmas is never going to get here. And then the, the presents, you know, are under the tree, and you have to look at them every day. And you think, I'm never going to get a chance to open these presents, and it's just never going to come. And i got to go to school still this week. And, you know, you have this week before you get there, and it just seems like an eternity. But for those of us that are maybe a little bit older, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, it is one week till Christmas. I haven't done my shopping yet. Uh, you know, we've got to do some baking. We've got to go, we, we've got to cook some stuff. We've got to go to office parties. We've got to do this. We've got to visit the in-laws that we don't actually want to visit, but we've got to visit them anyway. Uh, there's just so, it's such a short period of time. And really life is like this. How do we perceive the passage of time? And the biblical idea of hope helps us to understand how we should look at time. How should we perceive time we should have a god-fashioned view of time 
And one of the ways that we can have that be God-fashioned is understand the idea of hope. Now, when Jesus came to the earth, it was kind of in this intertestamental period. And what that means is for about 400 years after uh, the book of Malachi, there was no more prophets. uh, And it was seemingly that God had done nothing for about 400 years. There was the promised Messiah in the Old Testament. 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah prophesied about, uh, you know, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, that he would be born of a virgin. But there was this 400-year period after Malachi before John the Baptist showed up where there was nothing. It seemed like a quiet period that God really wasn't doing anything and people were waiting generation after generation for the Messiah to show up. And not only that, they were living in, the the nation of Israel was living in an occupied territory. The Roman Empire was thriving at that time and they were basically occupied, they were basically prisoners in their own country. Sort of a desperate time, a difficult time. And for the totality of somebody's life, they were living theoretically in bondage. They were serving another nation. And when we think about the passage of time, when we are living our lives, we can be stuck in these places sometime. We can be stuck in this place where it might seem like things are never actually going to change. Are things actually going to get better? After 400 years, they might be thinking, is God really going to show up? Is God actually going to do something for us? Are these Old Testament prophecies, are they just that? Are they just sort of fantasies? Is something actually going to change? What about the passage of my life? Now, we know the story in Luke chapter 2, as we've read already in this series about Jesus being born. But when Jesus is being brought to the temple, we see a very interesting story here. Luke 2, starting in verse 25, says this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I can die in peace now, Simeon is saying, because He's holding the Messiah. He is seeing the Messiah. Verse 30, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon was waiting. Just waiting and waiting and waiting. We don't know exactly when the Holy Spirit had revealed to him, when the Messiah was going to show up, but just... In other words, before you die, Simeon, you are going to see the consolation of Israel. You are going to see the Messiah show up waiting. How do we do with waiting? Do we like to wait for things? Do we like to wait in line? Do we, you know, it's Christmas season, the lines are really long in all of the stores. Do we, you know, when we see a long line in our favorite store, do we like have a smile on our face? And we skip into the store with joy. You know, a lot of my life deals with waiting. I have a lovely wife and two lovely daughters, as you know, and I've got a mom and I've got a sister, a lot of women in my life. And I'm certainly not going to paint a broad brush, maybe a little bit, of all women. Um, but a lot of times for the women in my life, I just kind of wait for them. 
in different places. I wait for them at the door. I'm like, hey, we were supposed to leave at this time. And I'm down by the front door. I got my coat on. I got my boots on, ready to go, keys in my hand. And I'm like, I thought we said we were leaving at this time. Dad, I'm getting ready. And I wait. And I wait. And then sometimes I'll take my daughters shopping. And now that they're both teenagers, you know, they have a little bit, they have some skill. Now I'm just saying, they have, they're skilled shoppers. And part of the skill of shopping that they have learned is basically I follow them around the store. And I have one hand for one daughter and one hand for the other daughter. And I follow them through the racks and they put hangers on my hands. And I walk around following these two girls in the store. And then when we have, you know, like 10 to 15 items, we're like, okay, maybe we should try some of these things on. So we go to the fitting rooms and then we always ask the terrible question, what is the max number we can take into the fitting room and it is always at least half of what i have on my hands and so we're there at the fitting room and i'm holding clothes in my fitting room i'm holding the extra things and then all of the other women who come out of the other fitting rooms give me the cut eye they're like why are you in the women's fitting room and I'm like i listen I'm, I'm safe i've got daughters it's not a big deal it's okay so i'm holding the clothes and then you know i'm waiting and i'm waiting and waiting and eventually somebody will be nice and show me an outfit that they're trying on because I'm paying for it. <laughs> so I should get to see it before I pay for it. And then, you know, we're, they're throwing things over the top of the door saying, I need another size. I'm like, I can't get you another size. I'm still holding 10 other items that you haven't tried on yet. And then so we wait. How do we do with waiting? Do we enjoy waiting? It's not necessarily something that comes easy to us. But the biblical idea of hope addresses how we wait. Simeon had this idea, he had this revelation from God by his spirit that he was going to see the Messiah. Now all of us at different times of our lives, we're, we're existing in one of these places. We, when we have a dream and then we actually walk in the fulfillment of the dream, it's so exciting. Whether it's, you know, getting into the school that we wanted to, you know, getting married, having children, getting into our chosen career, getting hired by the company that we wanted to get hired by, uh, you know, getting um, promoted or whatever the case may be. When we live in those moments, there's such exciting moments when we see a culmination of a dream. And then there is the other part, when we actually dream the dream and we actually have this notion, this idea, we see something in our hearts. We see something that God actually puts on our hearts for us to do and accomplish or be a part of. The culmination of the dream is exciting. That moment when we receive the dream is so wonderful. It's like our imagination is running wild about what might be. But we spend the majority of our lives in between these two places. We spend the majority of our lives having this idea, this notion, this dream... And then the culmination of the dream is a measure, is a period of time. Simeon was waiting for a while, long time for the culmination of his dream. How do we do in that time? Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that our suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character 
and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, the word hope simply means, from the scripture, it means a joyful and confident expectation. A joyful and confident expectation. That in the waiting seasons, that God is telling us that we should actually have hope. That we should have a joyful expectation about that dream that I've seen in my heart. But that thing that God has placed in my heart, that in that period of time, the period of waiting, God is wanting us to have a joyful expectation. We see this in these verses we just read. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our sufferings when we're going through a difficult time, through a struggle, knowing that suffering produces endurance, that I'm not going to quit, that I'm not going to give up. And endurance produces character, character produces hope. Now, there's somebody in the scripture who is famous for sort of a long time between the, the, the vision or the dream of what God has put in his heart to the actual fulfillment of the dream. And it is Abraham. We go back uh, about 2,000 years before Jesus, we see uh, Abraham, that God calls Abraham away from his hometown and from, from his family. And he calls him away with this dream that he is actually going to have a child. Now, Abraham is 75 years old. And we know the story that he doesn't actually have Isaac until he's about 100. So in other words, Abraham had to wait 25 years. How do you wait 25 years? How do you survive 25 years from the dream to the culmination of the dream? You know, there's one portion of scripture uh, in the Abraham narrative where it, from one verse to the next, 13 years elapses. 13 years where there was nothing to tell. 13 years where it didn't seem like anything exceptional was happening in the life of Abraham. We just read about perseverance. See, in, in the times where we think nothing spectacular might be going on, nothing special is happening in our lives, that God is actually still calling us to live in this place of hope, this joyful expectation. The thing that will take me through 13 years of faithfulness without actually seeing much going on, without actually seeing much change, without no special story to tell. 13 years of getting up, eating, doing family life, going to bed. Getting up, eating, doing family life, going to bed. In those times, God is calling us to perceive the passage of time through this notion of hope that we would have a joyful expectation. Let's read about it here in Romans chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writing about this story. Romans chapter 4 verse 17. It says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope. When there was no reason 
to keep joyfully expecting a child to be born after the passage of time. I had the dream uh, 20 years ago. We, looking back at it, know that they still had five years to go. But when you hit the 20-year mark and there's still nothing going on, can we still maintain our hope? Can we still maintain our joyful expectation? Abraham did. Let's read how he did it. Verse 18, And hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he has been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith and gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Fully convinced. This joyful expectation that God is God and God makes promises and we can put our trust in the promises of God. That God is faithful. And so the passage of time, as we look at the passage of time, we allow the character and the nature of God to condition how we think that we are going to be hopeful people. In other words, joyful people in between the dream and the culmination. This is who God is calling us to be because we're going to spend most of our lives in that space. Are we just going to be angry people in there? I got a dream and you know, I'm 20 years in and nothing has happened. So we still don't have a child, God. We're just going to go back home. We're going to forget this promise and we're just going to go back to our hometown. See, the temptation is always there when something takes a while. When something with the time elapses more than we had expected. But God wants us to live in this joyful expectation about the things that we see in our hearts. Romans chapter 8 verse 22 says this. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with, everybody say it with me, patience. We wait for it with patience. The thing we don't actually see yet, but we see it on the inside. It's a dream. It's an idea. It's a thought about my future. So the thing that I don't actually, uh, the thing that I'm not actually walking in yet, how am I supposed to be living? How am I supposed to be acting? When time passes, when years pass, I'm going to have hope. I'm going to have a joyful expectation, a joyful disposition. How many of you like to be around joyful people? Come on now. It's, it's just nice to be around joyful people. So, you know, let me, if, let me tell you a way to bless your family this Christmas. Um, be joyful. Don't be the Scrooge or the Grinch. You know, those, those positions are taken. Be a joyful person. 
A joyful person is the type of person that we want to be around, not a sad, depressed, fearful. I'm nervous about the future, so I'm not even going to live my life. I'm so, nothing has happened, it's taken, so I'm just, what am I going to do? I'm just going to uh, go in my house and I'm going to shut the door and cl- close the blinds because it hasn't happened yet. No, with hope, we're going to see those things. And we're just going to wait. And we're going to be patient. Why? Because we know in this portion of Scripture, we see that God is our Father. This phrase, we eagerly await for adoption as sons. Not just slaves, not just servants, that we are actually God's children. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Well, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas when Jesus came at the very right, perfect time. Born of a woman under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So what are we supposed to understand from the scripture? And what are we supposed to understand here about this moment that Jesus came? Jesus came at the very right time so that we could receive this sonship or be God's sons and daughters. That we're not God's slaves. Now, when we think about slavery, you know, we think about race-based slavery in recent history in North America. But slavery in and of this time was when somebody owed a debt to somebody else, the way they would pay off the debt, sometimes they said, I'll become your slave. They weren't forced to become somebody's slave. But they would say, I'm going to serve you for five years to pay off this debt. In other words, there's an exchange. I give you something and then you give me something back. But sonship applies a one-way idea. How do we become sons and daughters? How do we become God's sons and daughters? It comes through birth. It comes through relationship, not an exchange. I give you something, God, and then you give me eternal life. No, that God gives us something in Christ, and it comes by grace. We talked about grace last week. That we are supposed to be living in this place. We're supposed to have this joyful expectation about our lives because God is our Father. And He loves us and He cares about us. And his love for us goes beyond the love that we have for our children. How do we think about our children? How do we love our children? We give our lives for our children. We give our time for our children. We give our money for our children all the time. We give ourselves to them. Sonship implies a one-way relationship that God gives us something as a father. So we then, as sons and daughters of God, can live in this joyful expectation, knowing that the Father God cares for us. And doesn't just care for me, he's actually interested in my life. He is the one bringing these things to pass in our lives. He is the one bringing these dreams to pass by his grace. Psalm 27, verse 10 says this. 
for my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. And the worst abandonment that we could ever imagine, a parent abandoning their child. In these verses, we see the ultimate affection also come. If your loved ones forsake you, if people walk away from you, the Lord will take us up. The Lord actually cares about us and gives us his love, gives us his affection. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. We're almost done. It says this, God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. See, hope encourages our lives. See, fear freezes us. Fear holds us back. But hope encourages us. We have this hope, an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So our hope is not just in our circumstances. Our hope, our joyful expectation is in Jesus. That he is the anchor for our soul. That he's calling us to see that our lives are secure in him. And he is the one that loves us and cares about us and is interested in our future and helping us to get to the future that he's put in our hearts. Our trust is in him. Our hope is in him. It's in Jesus. It's not, what, oh God, what can I provide for you? What can I give to you, God? And he's like, no, I, I'm, I'm taking care of you. Just have this joyful expectation. And time will pass, and time will pass, and time will pass. Well, how long is it going to be? I don't know. Does it matter? Does it actually matter? I mean, you've had enough dreams come to pass in your life that you can be happy and excited and know that God is faithful. Well, this one seems to be taking too long. Well, so? Don't you want to see the culmination of the dream? Don't you want to see the thing that God has put in your heart? Well, what, what's going to carry us there? What's going to get us there? It's hope. And my hope is anchored in Jesus. And what he has done. And what he has accomplished. Not my sufficiency. Not what I can do. But his. His grace is more than we need. My strength always comes up short. It's always not enough. But I'm going to anchor my soul in God. Last verse. Psalm 62, verse 5. It says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. He is my only rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Why? Why are we not shaken? Because our hope is in Jesus. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word today.
We are so thankful that we can live in this place of joyful expectation. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.